0: Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen and yet still believe. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Cleopas, Cleopas and another unnamed disciple had hurried back to Jerusalem seven whole miles in order to find the disciples there gathered in Jerusalem and tell them, that they had seen Jesus alive with them. Remember, Cleopas and that other disciple were on their way back home, probably, to Emmaus, and that visitor walked along with them, and then they impressed on that traveler to sit at table with them. And when they were eating, Jesus took the bread and broke it. And all of a sudden, Cleopas's eyes and the other disciples' eyes were open, and they saw Jesus there alive with them at table. And then Jesus vanished. And they said, oh, we've got to go tell the disciples. So after the seven-mile journey, they found the eleven gathered together. They entered that home, or that room, wherever that was, and they began to say, Jesus is indeed risen from the dead. He's appeared to Cephas, to Peter. And then as they were describing these things, Jesus appears again in the midst of that room and says, peace be with you. And it says that they were astonished and terrified, as we probably would have been also, because they thought they were seeing a ghost. They weren't seeing a ghost, though, Because Jesus says, why are you afraid? He knew what they were thinking. He said, touch me, look at me, put your hands on me. A ghost doesn't have flesh and bones, do they? Well that just blows all of their categories because it would make more sense that maybe a spirit or a ghost or a soul was all of a sudden in the room with them, but wait a second flesh and bones? And then it even gets deeper still. Jesus says, "Uh, by the way, do you have anything to eat around here? And they hand Jesus a piece of broiled fish, and he consumes it in their sight. And then begins to explain that He is the fulfillment of all of the law, all of the Psalms, all of the prophets of Israel, and that this is a part of God's ongoing plan to forgive sins, to recreate the entire world that had fallen into sin and decay and suffering and death. And Jesus says, now this good news you begin to proclaim that people must repent return to God, receive the blessing of this new life, this new creation, and begin to spread that all over the world. And that's basically our passage. It reminds me of a story many years ago I was teaching about this astonishing aspect of the apostolic faith, that Jesus was indeed raised bodily a spiritual transformed body, but bodily. And a woman came and she was surprised. She was a a churchgoer, uh, very much a part of the church, and she too was astonished because she somehow had missed this. It had never occurred to her that Jesus was not a, a spirit or a ghost somewhere, but in fact what is being said, the apostolic faith is, is that Jesus is raised bodily. And the body of Jesus is transformed or transmuted into a new level of reality. It's a new order of reality that we do not have very much experience with, to say the least. Um, Let me get his name right. Yes, it's John Polkinghorne, who is a physicist as well as an Anglican priest, says this, The Lord's risen and glorified body is the transmutation of his dead body, just as the world to come will be the transformation of this present mortal world. Now, this blows all of our categories, doesn't it? And maybe why she hadn't heard it is because it's so difficult to preach on. And people would rather punt and talk about a heaven off someplace else rather than flesh and bones and this creation being transformed into a new order, into a new creation. But that's what the apostolic faith is. The Son and Word of God took on our flesh and blood, our humanity in order to be able to transform it, to pull it out of the state that we were born in, which is a state called just waiting for death because we are mortal. And so, but that's not God's original design. And so all of these things are so difficult for us to understand. But Generally we don't have trouble listening to physicists talk about black holes or parallel universes or dark matter or dark energy, things that are theoretical, things that they don't experience and things that we don't experience. So we can be open to hearing and even place our faith in what is promised. Jesus promised over and over again that He would be crucified, and He would be raised up. And He's also promised that each one of us will also be raised up, not as a ghost or a spirit, but raised up in a risen glorified transformed body. A spiritual body is what Paul calls it, but a body nonetheless. Now, that's really good news. It's really good news because When we look back at this account of the resurrection of Jesus, we actually see our future. If you want to know where history is going, if you want to know where everything is headed, it is resurrection, transformation, transmutation, transfiguration, whatever you want to call it, but God intends for you and I and this entire creation to be made new, to fully become The kingdom of God where death and uh, decay and corruption and sin no longer even exist. Now this is really, really good news. Well, many of you, I believe, uh, in this room probably remember a movie called Back to the Future. Do you remember Back to the Future? Uh, Marty McFly, played by Michael J. Fox did some, tri- to some time travel in Doc Brown's DeLorean. Uh, you remember that? He, he actually traveled from October 26, 1985 all the way back to November 1955, and a lot had happened in that 30 years. Uh, but we are sort of doing the same thing. We go back to these eyewitness accounts that Luke put together for his gospel. People that truly experienced and saw with their physical eyes Jesus raised up and glorified. We go back to those accounts in order to see our future. What is coming? God's glorious future for each one of us. Dare we believe it? But if we do believe it, and Jesus said, blessed are those who have not seen this yet still believe the blessing is, is that if we can believe it in our present, we can continue to be changed from glory to glory. It can affect the way that we see ourselves, the way we see this entire world, the way that we see others. And so there is something in the future for us here, but there's something in the presence also. Jesus said, I am the resurrection and the life. And He really is. He is it. He is not talking about a concept. He Himself is the resurrection and the life, and the new creation flows out of the God-man, Jesus Christ, and begins this kingdom that is growing, mainly unseen, often in our own hearts, but affects everything that is going on right now because He is reigning as Lord. And He will return as Lord for the transformation of all of God's creation. Well what about us right now? Resurrection should change our mind about everything because death is not our end. Death is something that we will pass through to get into God's glorious future, but if we feel the pressure of a ticking time clock, we can relax a little bit. I've given up on the thought that I'm going to be able to visit all the places in the world that I want to visit in this life. Have, have you come to a similar conclusion? Because I'm starting to get in touch with just, you know, there's only so much time. Well, and really there's only so much money, that's a big part of it right there, (laughs) but there's only so much health that we have. There's only so much energy we have, and that's the truth. I ran around uh, Memorial Park yesterday, and uh, people say, oh, I I didn't know you're a runner. And I said, I used to be a runner. I'm not a runner anymore. I just sort of move my weight around. And so we are getting in touch with our bodies that are getting older, and that's a part of life. Life is short. This is truly just the prelude to chapter 1. The trick is to understand that this is the prelude. This isn't the whole book, and we can take some pressure and some anxiety off of us. Because of the resurrection, we can have joy. We can have more joy. Because of the resurrection, we can actually dare to open ourselves to one another and allow relationships to take place, to open ourselves with less fear. Maybe not without fear, but with less fear. So we just want less anxiety because of the resurrection, more joy, more love, and forgiveness. The resurrection and the transformation of the world all is forgiven so we can go ahead and start that now because that's what the kingdom of god is and will be this is the power that we have as christians this spirit of the new creation the spirit that raised jesus up from the dead actually lives in us but we have to start to pay attention to it In our epistle reading it said, those who have this hope, this hope in the resurrection in Christ, in the flesh, in the glorified flesh, those who have this hope will purify themselves as He is pure, as Jesus is pure. So what we're called to do in this time now, since we know who the King is, the great thing about the resurrection is we know who wins. Who is it? It's Jesus. It's the Messiah of Israel. That's who wins. That's who the Lord is. Since we know who wins, we want to be sure that we're on the king's team. Functioning within the king's agenda, moving towards the fullness of the king's kingdom. And that's what we're doing. It's amazing to think that the body and blood of Christ that we receive and Holy Eucharist is, in fact, the risen, glorified body of Christ that we heard about in this passage. Mystically, we receive that risen presence of Christ in our physical bodies in order to transform our souls and to make our souls fit for the Kingdom of God. These bodies are headed towards the grave. There's nothing we can do about that. They are mortal. They are connected to sin and death. But our souls can be renewed day by day. I want you to just listen to this passage that is often uh, read at funerals because I think it informs very much what we're talking about here. So we do not lose heart even though our outer nature is wasting away, our inner nature is being renewed day by day. For this slight momentary affliction, that's all the troubles that we have in our life. This slight momentary affliction is preparing for us an eternal weight of of glory beyond all comparison. That's language about being risen and glorified and sharing the glory of God in this transformed universe. And then it says, for we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, which it will be, we have a building from God, a house not made with hands eternal in the heavens. In God's kingdom, we have a whole new body, a new creation that is promised to us. This is such fantastic news. Well, this world is still subject to evil and suffering and death, is it not? There are daily things that we become aware of or involved in that uh, make us just think that this sounds like such such a fairy tale far away. But we are called to continue to walk with the King. We need to be in communion with the resurrection and the life. In communion with Christ day by day to continue our renewal. He says to us, I will lead you on from glory to glory, making you fit for my kingdom. Say yes to the ways I work in your life. Trust me and don't be afraid, and I will lead you into the future of God's new world. Amen.